Welcome back into House of Wrestling, everybody. It's me, Nick Hausman, and we have a big House of Wrestling flagship show here today. It has been a big week in the world of pro wrestling news, and who else better to break it down with me here today than WrestleNomics' own Brandon Thurston. Brandon, thank you so much for taking the time today. Nick, it's great to be here. Um, so, I, I, I saw you getting un, you know, unsolicitedly harassed on, on, on various press conferences, so, but it's great to be here uh, with you over video. You know, Brandon, of all the people that I was trying to impress with my question in the scrum, it was it was you. I was like, you know, if I'm if I'm out to if I'm out to earn the love of somebody by asking a, a business related question, Brandon Thurston. I appreciate it. It was pretty fun, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. OK, uh, we got a big show, everybody. Like I said, I think I've said we have a big show several times here already. Um, we're going to be talking all the news through the day here in a little bit. Um, first of all, if you like this show, uh, we are debuting every new episode of House of Wrestling Tuesday and Thursday, noon Eastern over on Premier Streaming Network. So go give Premier Streaming Network some love. They have a ton of great content, ton of great partners. My good buddy Dave Hero, GLCW in the mix. Emily May was out uh, at the uh, WrestleCon getting tons of interviews. Uh, and of course, all of my WrestleMania weekend interviews are available over at Premier Streaming Network. 18 different interviews more than two dozen wwe talent all over a premier streaming network right now and if you haven't seen it yet an interview i did right after wrestlemania it is up right now over at house of wrestling broke the internet yesterday we broke all kinds of traffic records uh we broke all kinds of social records we just broke all the house of wrestling records yesterday jonathan gresham broke his silence about his exit from roh and aew wonderful candid conversation that has um I, Brandon, I'm un, I'm I'm uncomfortable with this story. Have you read it, by the way? Do you know what I'm talking about? Do you know this Gresham story? I've I've seen the headline. I have not read it for myself, though. I will read after very, I'm done recording today. It's super positive, right? And every dude, everybody, it's so positive. Everybody's reading it. They're like, "Wow, I feel better having read this." And it's me who Paul Heyman says all I do is cause trouble and ask bad questions. This is one of those pieces at the end of it. You're like, I want a nice warm cup of hot cocoa and a cookie because I feel good about myself. And I just I'm overwhelmed. I'm uncomfortable because I'm not used to this much positivity, Brandon. Amazing. I will I check it out as, as soon as we're done here today. So he's happy right. about this is about him him leaving AEW, but actually he feels good about where he is. Well, he does. He's happy about where he's at, but it's very it's very introspective. He's very honest, right? He apologizes. He says he shouldn't have yelled. He shouldn't have cursed at Tony. Uh, he apologized to Claudio Castagnoli, who he knows uh, he must have been very, very difficult to deal with on that day at Death Before Dishonor after what happened backstage. And it's not him because he's got a, a deal with impact. He's not really angling to go back to AWROH. He just kind of wanted to get it off his chest, right? Because like all these people had said all these things about what happened to him and, him and Tony. And uh, spoiler alert, because I know you're all going to go read the article. But the way it ends is Jonathan's recalling his interaction with Tony backstage at Death Before Dishonor after the Claudio match. So after he's gotten squashed in like 11 minutes by Claudio in the opener, he goes backstage and Tony Khan, from Jonathan Gresham's perspective, shakes his hand, looks him in the face, says, there's no burned bridges and I know you're not a bad guy. And then he leaves. And that's how the story ends, right? So it's like very reflective from Jonathan. And then he says a really nice thing about Tony Khan. It gives me, like, some of the best perspective I've ever seen of Tony, like, dealing with insane talent backstage. And then we're out. And that's it, man. It, dude, it is, it's just a really positive story. 
Mm -hmm. This is in written form only, or, or is there audio of this too? There is full audio, but it is, uh, I, I was, you know, I was thinking about maybe I'm going to do it in a couple posts. Then I started writing it out and I was like, dude, this is all one story. It's a very long post. There's a lot to it. It's very meaty. A lot of transcribed quotes. I highly, highly recommend it. We did, uh, how to put this in perspective, 50 times more traffic yesterday than any other day we've had on the site so far. Wow. I mean, liter literally pushed the site to an extremes. Uh, didn't crash, thank God. Congratulations uh, to our web designer, Kenton Quatman, who did a fantastic job building House of Wrestling. Uh, just tons and tons of traffic and all positivity. And that's what I really, really loved about this story, Brandon. So anyway, let's stop blathering about Jonathan Gresham. You can all go read it. Brandon's here. You want to hear us talk about the news. Uh, let's start off last night. AEW Dynamite. Tony Khan makes this Big announcement. We will get to the WWE sales stuff, I promise. I know that's what you want to hear Brandon talk about. But I want to talk about the same thing first. Tony Khan makes this big, very important announcement. And the announcement is later this year, AEW is going to be going to Wembley Stadium. AEW All-In Wembley Stadium or whatever it's called. Um, it's going to be on a Sunday. I was reading through the press release. I can't tell if this is a live event or a pay-per-view. I'm sorry. Was I just kind of scanning this a pay-per-view, right? No. I, I, I don't think we know. I mean, I think that's one of the big questions is August 27th is the date of the show, Wembley Stadium, London. That's their first UK, first show outside the US or Canada ever. Um, right. And I think it's a big question, probably going to be a pay-per-view. I would think for at least for financial reasons, it's, it's, I'm sure it's going to be a very expensive show to put on. Uh, if you run it as a pay-per-view, you can pull in a, at least a couple extra million dollars, but that raises the question of, well, what happens with All Out? I mean, I can't imagine All Out not being a pay-per-view the following week. That's Labor Day weekend is the following week. So are they going to do consecutive weekends with pay-per-views on them? I guess so, unless there's some sort of live TV broadcast for this. But I see no reason to really expect that right now. Yeah, I, and it's interesting, the timing there. Because if if they were going to do two pay-per-views back-to-back, which would be very unique, um, I guess we'll see how that rolls. It kind of felt more like to me like they were replacing the Chicago show. They're gonna maybe start moving all in around. I, I wasn't quite clear on if that was the deal yet, you know, with it or not. That that is a question to ask uh, one Tony Khan in AEW. Is is this a replacement of Jack tradition? That seems like something he's committed to. But here's the thing. I don't know that the Chicago market is the same anymore after all the punk stuff, right? They ran the one show after the all out. And you had the Bucks out there doing the go to sleep and ragging on the Chicago fans. And it didn't feel like, you know, we just talking about this Gresham piece. If Gresham felt fun and positive, that felt like a very negative show. Like there was just a lot of negativity around I, it. I You're think like, you killed the territory. I think that's it. I, 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 I don't know if you killed it, but you can't go back to Chicago and put the elite out there without getting CM Punk chance. I just don't think it happens. They did go to Chicago. They went to Winterest Arena for one of those best of seven matches, right? And that's, this is where... Uh, the elite, are, the elite are doing all their their punk you know, mannerisms and so forth, right? Yeah, um, yeah. They really ragged. They kind of tried to dunk on the Chicago market. So I don't know. It's not Clash of the Champions. You just beat Drew McIntyre bad. Maybe I don't know. Maybe it's worse. I'm not really sure because people have like opinions about punk. Some people in Chicago here even like disagree with how all that went down. So maybe it's not as bad. But it it would seem to me after they were running Chicago like every three months. They certainly aren't doing that. <laughs> you know, like, and, and, and if you think, think to think to August, I mean, Punk may be healthy enough to wrestle right now for all we know. And I'm 
by August, I see no reason why he wouldn't be healthy enough. He, he could be, could be back in, in AEW by then if something has worked out, which is a big if. So I'm going to tell you, I'm going to spill some tea here. So when I was in, um, when I was in Los Angeles covering WrestleMania weekend, I, I, I had heard, I had a little birdie come over, fly onto my shoulder, and I had heard this was going to be a different announcement, Brandon. I had mm-hmm. heard, I don't know if you know what I know, but I'm going to tell you what I, what I heard. And how this all played out. So I had heard this announcement was going to be something different. I had heard that Tony was going to be announcing some kind of Saturday Dynamite or Saturday show. Right. Some kind of Saturday programming. Maybe even Saturday show. 605. Yeah. yeah, Saturday 605 TBS. Something like that. Mm-hmm. And what I had heard, what I heard was maybe Punk would be back. And maybe Punk could be on this Saturday show. And the elite could stay on Wednesdays and you could physically could quarantine separate. them from each other. Exactly. Right. Just create <laughs> brands that are punk and elite. Now, again, this is just what I heard. Right. So I hear this, Brandon, but I, I'm only speaking about this because I heard it and I went and asked a lot of people about it. <laughs> I was like, this is wild. I, uh, I asked a lot of people about it. Nobody said no. I had a lot of people say, oh, I had heard things like that. I, and then one thing I heard was, I had heard the plan about Punk coming back, but I don't know if the John Moxley post where he went out and decided to shoot his shot over on Instagram affected business and changed the plan. So maybe there's a world in which Punk didn't put that Instagram post up and piss everybody off where this announcement could have been something different because this is cool, but I mean, overhyped. Right? I mean, Tony was really laying in how big of a deal this was. And I feel like it, he made the announcement and the general well, when, reaction. When did he start I, to promote this, though? I, I remember him starting to promote this on, on the media call ahead of the Ring of Honor pay-per-view, at, at which point the Instagram posts and all that drama had already happened. Right, 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 right. So I don't know. I, I, I just am telling everybody what I had heard. And just to add credence to idea, Punk may be back. I had heard there was like attempts. There were things we didn't work together. Maybe things changed. Because of the Instagram post. Um, but yeah, Tony's been hyping this since this thing. It's been at least a week now that he's been hyping this thing. And I just don't think it was that big of a deal. It's another show. They're going overseas. But most of the people on my timeline did not seem very impressed by this, Brandon. It, it, it will be the, I mean, probably will be the biggest attendance ever. Their biggest attendance, I, I think, is, is is definitely one of the um, one of the Queens shows, one of the Arthur Ashe Stadium shows, probably the first one. I don't, I don't know the attendance off the top of my head, 19,000, I think. So there's okay. a pretty good chance, depending on how they price this, that they're going to shatter that record. Um, it's a it's a big branding event, I think. But uh, for everybody, maybe it's not that big of a deal. It's not uh, something that's going to affect every fan, or at least it's it's only one event for most fans. Yeah. But um, it is something that UK fans have been asking about for years, I guess. Remember when Tony Khan said he wasn't going to be an on-screen character? He's like, I'm not going to be a general manager. He's mm-hmm. kind of he is kind of that now, isn't he? I think if if there wasn't this <laughs> rightful stigma around promoters and bookers being on screen that has been created over the last twenty five years, right? Would would Tony Khan with without that lesson would Tony Khan already be more more of a guy doing angles? This is, I mean, I I see he's trying to be more of a straightforward not a TV personality, but someone who comes out and makes announcements because clearly he wants the credit of being the one who is, is the visionary who has created AEW who's making these announcements and I am doing this and I am doing that. 
Um, but yeah, it's uh, I mean, you all saw saw how it started with Vince Russo with uh, him just being this off screen uh, hand wow. and powers that be. Wow. Um, but wow. Uh, yeah, I, I I think it's a lesson from from wrestling that he's learning from. But but to an extent, he cannot help himself with being on screen for some of those announcements. The most cohesive story in AEW is Tony Khan's desire to be a creative visionary. It is a story that goes back to the beginning and can be tracked. <laughs> That's the story of WWE too. It's it's um I think in both cases there's some interesting similarities between Vince and Tony in that I think they are both really ambitious, perhaps desperate to prove that it's not just their dad that got them to where they are that they have talent of their own and they deserve credit for that talent and they can create something really, really amazing. Agreed. Yeah. And uh, there's, I mean, we could talk the similarities between Tony and Con or Tony and Vince all day. I mean, but when Vince was Tony's age, he was out and he was trying to be in the, the bars with the boys and be one of the boys and that kind of thing. And learned at a certain point, if you're going to run a multi-billion dollar company and you're going to have to, you know, be making hard decisions that the locker room's not going to like, you got to distance yourself. And that's when Vince started to pull away from the locker room and yada, yada, yada. Well, anyway, we know uh, one tag team is going to be around AEW for the foreseeable future. They won back the AEW World, Champ World Tag Team Championships last night on Dynamite. FTR uh, has obviously made their decision. They're staying with AEW. Uh, they're not going back to WWE, which was obviously the hard tease there. Uh, any reactions, any thoughts on, on what we can glean from FDR's decision to stay with AEW as opposed to leaping back to WWE? I don't know. I think you know Jay White's debut on the same show. I mean, if it's a debut, he's been on AEW TV before, I guess. But he's apparently with AEW, Jay White is, as well as FDR is staying with AEW. This comes at, at a time when Vince is very much lurking back into the picture. And big question Friday night is whether or not he's in the seat in Portland. Um but do you, if you're FTR, I think they had some frustrations working with Vince and how Vince booked them. Um, I don't know how much that plays into it, but uh, I don't know if, if I'm them and if I want to be, if, if they're, if I can get the same money from either party, um, you're probably going to be more creatively satisfied at AEW if it turns out that Vince truly is back permanently. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about Vince here. Vince is back. So Brandon, how badly did Vince screw all this up for everybody? Because everybody was so happy. Everybody was so happy under Triple H. And then just on the spin of a dime, Vince seems to be back in Gorilla, headsets on, and the morale, according to Fightful, is as low as it was just before WrestleMania last year. I mean, it's... I, I, I hate to be so heavy-handed and say how much did he screw it up, but... Because he, he really... I mean, I don't know. The company made a bunch of money. It's not screwed up. It's just the morale is down. I mean, I, I, what do you what do you take from the kind of situation you're we're in right now where the company is now... So it's going to be solvent for for decades because of this deal. But at the same time, people seem like less happy to be there because of what's going on with Vince's return. I, it's a it's like a monkey paw. Like you got your wish, but it also came with like dangers and curses attached to it. Well, Vince is definitely an employee again. We learned about a week ago that he has an employment agreement as he did before up to up to that point in 2023 he had only known been known to be a member of the board of directors while while maybe having some effect on creative we only paul of convinced i suppose really now um but i think you know this is this i've seen this movie before <laughs> in that when vince is in charge of creative especially from 2016 to 2019 there were consecutive declines in fan metrics attendance 
merchandise sales. TV ratings are more complicated, but there were declines in TV ratings too. And during that time, a number of alternative wrestling brands cropped up and had relative success, whether that was Ring of Honor, New Japan. Ultimately, the launch of AEW, I don't think happens without disgruntled fans, and not just, not just fans. It's not just fans online that you can dismiss and say, oh, those are the hardcores, it don't matter. But disgruntled a lot of talent, and it was a huge talent recruitment opportunity for those alternative brands. And I don't think AEW exists without this ripe situation where you have a lot of dissatisfied wrestling fans. Sure, some who still like it, but a lot of dissatisfied wrestling fans and a lot of dissatisfied talent who aren't getting creatively fulfilled. And if they can make comparable money, or perhaps in some cases better money in some alternative, then you've, you've got a, a wrestling company if you've got distribution, which ultimately AEW did. Um, and I believe the the response you know, from some within within WWE is that, oh, this is, this it's the same, same movies that, oh, this gets people talking and people are into it and that's good for WWE. Just like when there was the hashtag canceled W Network after Royal Rumble 2015, Vince went on an earnings call and said that's because somebody asked about it. That's good for WWE because it creates controversy. Uh, and those are the same people who say they're never going to watch WWE again. I know they're going to be glued to the television next week. Um, the reality is, in, in the years that followed, WWE declined in popularity and other alternative wrestling brands. And, and I know their, their real competition is the NFL and Netflix and TikTok and Sleep. Well, people chose those things, too, as an alternative to WWE during that time. And, you know, I, th I think that's how they're going to justify it to themselves, or at least Vince and people around him who want his approval are going to justify it. Um, but I think... It's going to hurt W to an extent, but only to an extent, I guess, because the nature of media companies like WWE benefit from huge rights TV values in the form of Raw and SmackDown are going to continue to have these huge payments that are guaranteed. doesn't matter what the TV rating is. Uh, that's like 70% of the revenue. And as time goes on, those payments are going to grow because that's what the contracts say. And unless TV ratings decline to such a degree, which I don't really see happening, unless they decline to such a degree where we see like on Monday night, Raw no longer being among the most watched uh, TV shows on cable on Monday or SmackDown declining so much that's not among the most watched shows on, on TV on Friday, then I think they're still going to be able to attract a pretty strong renewal, which we're entering that time now. So ultimately, there is no economic justice for this. There is no economic deterrent to say you're going to start losing money because Vince is bad booking. That's probably not going to happen unless it gets really, really bad. Well, um, but, the, but we, you talk about how we're going into renewals here. I wonder how Vince's return affects the, the rights renewals because, you know, Ari Emanuel may love Vince McMahon. MBS may love Vince McMahon. But when it came to North American entities that were looking to purchase WWE, it would seem Vince McMahon was a hangup, you know, and I was definitely talking to people on the ground in L.A. who gave me the indication that Fox was not totally satisfied with the billion dollars they had put up for WWE and what they had gotten in return for that billion dollars. So I don't know that the, the in terms Fox, of ratings, right? Yeah, in terms of viewership. Yeah. So I don't I don't know that Fox and, and, and it's like that plus the added drama and potential like moral hit you could take from your fan base i guess or whatever for working with vince mcmahon i wonder how vince's return affects tv rights because you know like you said 
three straight years of decline overall in viewership, mer- merchandise. Uh, that changed under Hunter, right? Hunter comes in. We see everything going up. Nick Khan has more control to be able to do the deals he wants to do. They're making more money in advertising and sponsorship than they've ever done before. If Vince comes in here and puts his hands all over everything, they start to to see declines. They start to come up uh, with issues when it comes to TV rights renewals uh, come come later this year. I don't know. I mean, I don't know, man. I I I I I wonder if Endeavor has the same kind of uh, kind of regrets that I'm hearing maybe Fox does in three years for having put their eggs back in the Vince McMahon basket when, you know, they didn't really need to. They could have kept this guy on the outs, but I doubt he would have sold to them if they'd have done that, you know? Yeah, I, th- I think yeah. A, a deal that really would have kept Vince out would have either been – would have been much more expensive for the, the cooperating party um, or just Vince wasn't going to agree to it. Um, but I think the question around, like, do, do the potential – TV suitors, NBC Universal, Fox, whoever else might be interested, maybe Amazon, maybe ESPN now because right. there's a relationship with UFC. Are are those parties going to be less interested in rights because Vince is back because of the the controversy, the scandal that's associated with Vince? I don't strongly think so. Like I want there to be a moral consequence for people in power who abuse their power and have seven, seven sexual misconduct allegations against them. But I don't I'm not convinced that it's going to have this huge effect because I mean, are there are advertisers running away now because Vince is back or are they going to run away because they find out that Vince is permanently back? I would hope so, but I doubt it. I um, I, I don't know. man. I think there's a sleepy giant here with Vince and Dana White sharing an executive branch. together. those are two. Those are two uh, cans that have been dinged off the shelf and they're both trying to rebuild themselves right now. And somehow are sharing an executive branch. I mean, this is all so new. There's like so much to take in about what's going on right now. I don't even think people have really even just kind of thought of like the optics and aesthetics of having these two individuals who are, it's not just Vince. It's not just, it's it's Vince and Dana in the same place in charge of people's careers. I don't know, dude, that's, that's a, that's a wild pill to swallow for me. Yeah. I mean, so are, are there controversies around Dana? I mean, he slapped his wife on video yes. New Year's Eve. Yes. And then, by the way, a couple weeks later, launched as planned, power slap where dudes are slapping each other. Um, we don't know of any of any kind of misconduct, like as far as I know, of, of the kind right. that is that Vince has alleged to uh, engage in. Um, but yeah, they they are abrasive personalities for a lot of people. But I think as long as they those shows deliver the ratings that they do. And as long as there's not a, a larger media story and larger media scrutiny, not from people like us necessarily, but from mainstream sure. media, yeah. um, I, I just don't know that there's going to be enough of a, a an, enough scrutiny and enough criticism and enough critical thought from the populace at large and therefore from business partners to feel that this is really something that they don't want their brands associated with. Like in terms of the of the of the sale, I can understand why Disney or Comcast were not not that interested in buying WWE because they didn't want to own WWE for maybe for some reasons, but including because they didn't want to be associated with Vince, which is I think is different from Comcast licensing rights. There's, there's it's one thing to to rent this property and to have a relationship with it. And it's another thing to for it to be a, a permanent part of your brand, a part of the fabric of your brand. And I think that's that's something that Disney definitely doesn't want to do. The Disney will rent UFC rights, but I don't think they want to own 
MMA where people are kicking each other and beating the crap out of each other, making each other bleed. Um, so I think there's a, there is a, an important difference between ownership and a business relationship. So I'm going to ask you something that I've had a lot of people ask me, and I don't know the answer to it. Maybe you do. Is there anything legally going on here that could prevent this merger or acquisition from happening? Are there, is there any kind of antitrust or is there any kind of lawsuit out there that could be looming that would prevent this from going through? I doubt it. I mean, I don't, Yeah. I'm not a, a, like a legal expert in, in things like this, but I would think if that was happening, you know, that there would be chatter from analysts or something like that. I know Ari Emanuel did allude to the government in his talk with CNBC alongside Vince uh, about, you know, if, um, if I think it would be the FTC would be the body of government that would scrutinize this, if that's something that they want to look at. But I don't see like UFC and WWE because they're both combat sports, you could say. Is that violating some kind of antitrust that the government government might prevent? I don't think so. I mean, you have a number of other MMA and pro wrestling brands that are out and about and doing business, including AEW, including Bellator. So I don't see it as like they have a monopoly that we have to prevent. Um, so I doubt I doubt that there's any legal hurdle here. Um, I don't know what would really interrupt this deal from happening in late 2023. It is interesting. We, we You brought it up a little bit earlier, but the last thing I'll say about the sale thing is uh, back to FTR and Jay White talent, right? The Fightful report that came out the day after Raw where uh, Vince was backstage uh, stated at least two wrestlers had already asked for their release. Other wrestlers are just like, screw this. I'm just going to wait out my contract and I'll, I'll hopefully find somewhere else on the other side. If again, like Endeavor sees they're losing out on free agents. They see the talent is leaving. They see like a general unrest. I don't know if there's a chance they uh, intervene and, you know, again, do they ask Vince to pull back? I'm not really sure because, again, if Vince is like – if you look at the power structure of this new company, Vince is just below, I think, Mark Sterling. I think it was Ari, Mark, Vince, and then there's the Nick Khan. I think Vince yeah. has more power than Dana White in the new corporate structure. Am I wrong with that? Yeah, so Vince will be the executive chairman of TKO or whatever it's called. Right. Um, and below that will be two presidents, a president of WWE and a president of UFC. Daniel will be the president of UFC. Nick Khan will be the president of, of WWE. So it's not like Vince will be Dana's supervisor, I don't think. He's not, I don't think Dana's going to necessarily be reporting to Vince. Um, but he will be above him in the org chart. How did that? Like, again, I, Vince was retired. Vince wanted out. And now he is more. he's back in. And not just in. He's in, in a way where he's like almost untouchable, right? Like even if he pisses everybody off and everybody hates him, I feel like Ari Emanuel has this weird allegiance to Vince in a way where he won't let him go, even if everybody I, I think Ari just couldn't make the deal without Vince staying. And it was worth it to Ari because, because of the business opportunity that's legitimately there, because of the ability to split the debt. As, as people may know, Endeavor was in a lot of debt because of the purchase of UFC in 2016. Because of this merger, they're able to, to sort of split this debt across two companies. So Endeavor's remain Endeavor, Endeavor minus UFC, as it will be presumably in 2023, will have a lot less debt. And the merged WWE and UFC will take on a lot of that debt. And WWE itself has relatively little debt. So, so it's not like it's giving WWE a lot of debt when it already had a lot of debt because it doesn't. Um, but yeah, I, I, there is. Um, I, I would think, though, like, don't you think if we're able to understand the consequences of Vince running creative, 
that they don't have a team of people who researched and and thought deeply about this this transaction who identified that possibility i don't think so no i I don't and here's why brandon here's why i don't think they thought that hard about it and i'll tell you why i think Dwayne the rock johnson signed by ua right uh a product of endeavor right Dwayne the rock johnson under the endeavor umbrella he signed actor under the umbrella uh, uh umbrella i think he picks up the phone ari Dwayne, Vince is in trouble. Vince is in trouble. We got a WWE is in trouble. Dwayne, Dwayne, WWE Vince, Ari, we got to help him out. I mean, he did the same thing with the XFL. Swooped in. Vince is in trouble. Bought up the XFL. Vince is Vince didn't really want to be in the football game anymore. It would seem so. That was like kind of a loss. But I think he wanted to stay in the pro wrestling game. And I think that Dwayne convinced Ari. To help Vince out and give Vince this is everything. All Dwayne he, Johnson. I think this is all Dwayne Johnson. I think Dwayne Johnson far more involved with this than anybody would imagine. I think The Rock and Vince are probably close in in the way that it seems. You know, Cena and Vince are close. Correct. Um, I don't know. Ultimately, I think Ari's going to do what he thinks is best for investors, and that's why we heard the talk about debt leading up to this, and made me think that maybe this was going to happen. But I think you know. Ultimately, this is what they think is going to be good for shareholders, and that's what they think is going to be good for shareholders to merge these companies, and they probably will see a lot of synergies. Huge part of those synergies, unfortunately, is going to be a lot of layoffs probably to WWE personnel in, in, on the corporate side. Um, but I don't know. Seems like a lot of gangsters helping gangsters out to me, Brandon. That's how it feels to me. That's how it feels to me. We got to protect him, right? We got to protect Vince McMahon. He's one of us. We got to protect him at all costs, right? I don't. I don't care what he did. He's going to do good by me. We got to protect Vince at all costs. That's how this feels to me. I, I think when you're the, the lessons of the last several months is that if you're somebody like Dana White, who's in a very important position in a, in a large company, if you're Vince McMahon, who's especially got control of a very large company, that there are rules for you. There are different, uh, there are different consequences or lack of consequences for bad behavior. You can get away with a lot if you're Vince McMahon or if you're Dana White. Um, whereas people who are not in those positions of power, uh, including you know wrestling talent, uh, they can be shut out for for, for their careers. Uh, this is, but if you're this Vince, is, this is not good for talent, right? Like Vince and Dana are not pro talent, and they now share an umbrella. I can't imagine this is going to make things better for talent, right? No, no union in UFC, no union for wrestlers or employees in WWE. It's probably not in UFC either. Um, w wrestlers are definitely misclassified as independent contractors when they are treated with treated by treated as uh, independent contractors, but they are treated as, they are independent contractors, but they're treated as employees. If you go through a multi-factor test. It looks like these people are employees. Pretty obvious. I'm That's familiar with I'm familiar with the like whatever eleven point NLRB test of an employee and how accurately yeah. they fit into that. Yes. Same for AEW, by the way. I know some AEW wrestlers are also doubling as employees, but um but yeah, it's uh there's and, and if you look at UFC fighters, they're paid a pretty low percentage of the company's revenue relative to other pro sports athletes. And I think we could have a debate about and, and if you look at like WWE's talent compensation there's about let's say 200 wrestlers let's be stupidly aggressive and say the average pay is a million dollars okay that's 200 million dollars on 1.3 billion in revenue i don't know what that is that's like eight percent or something like that that's a very that's definitely not the 50 percent that that 
the NFL and the NBA, I understand, are, are paying talent. So I think there's a debate to be had about whether pro wrestling is enough of a pro sport to, to that it should, you know, try to meet that same ratio. Um, nonetheless, if you had a union, obviously, you'd have a lot more leverage to get talent, uh, a lot more compensation and benefits and protections. Um, but is that going to happen? Not anytime soon in wrestling. I don't know, unless there's some big lawsuit. And, and maybe putting these companies together maybe makes it easier for, for some sort of class action action to happen. Um, I don't know. But uh, you have to talk to a, a labor attorney that would probably give us a better idea. I'm going to do that. This week, actually, I'll, I'm hopefully connecting with Lucas Middlebrook, who yeah. is the attorney who represented Leslie Smith. And I'm very much interested in getting his take on, on what's going to be going on here. So spoiler alert. Yes, it's being worked on. It'll be up on Good. the site here probably within the week. Um, all right. Uh, we've kind of talked about the sale to death. We talked about AEW Dynamite, their big deal. There's one last thing on, on the news side that I wanted to bring up here. Um, and that was, of course, um, the uh, statements by Sherilyn Guerrero uh, about her mother and her stepfather. I don't want to dwell too hard on this, uh, but Sherilyn Guerrero released a video over on TikTok. I don't know if you've watched it yet. It's very difficult to watch. I had to watch it a couple times for transcribing purposes. I have read transcripts, yeah. Yeah, it's tough. And it, basically what is happening here is Sherilyn Guerrero is alleging that her stepfather uh, sexually assaulted her and that her mom knows about it and chose to do nothing about it. Her mother, Vicky Guerrero, of course, and has created a huge rift. And uh, so she put this video out. I, I don't want to... Uh, speculate exactly on motive but i do think that it's very interesting at a time when vicky guerrero is openly saying how she's leaving aew and she'd love to be involved in the mysterio storyline that her daughter's like f this uh this woman's a monster i'm gonna put this video out here right now vicky guerrero fired back and he since deleted instagram post which was i mean if you're trying to make your child hurt themselves that's the kind of thing you put out there um and uh i just want to say that i spoke to a source uh very very close to the situation uh after speaking with the source I have no doubts whatsoever that Sherilyn's claims are 100% credible. And uh, I really encourage everyone to listen to what she said. And I hope that Vicky can come out and be honest about what is going on here and apologize. And I just feel so awful for everyone involved. It's a horrible story. Uh, but I did only want to say something just because, uh, again, I had to talk to somebody who knew what was going on here. And after walking away, I felt gross and like I needed a shower. And I'm sending my best to Sherilyn Guerrero right now. So... There I we gotta go. get up. Gotta get okay. Up. Okay. We're leaving here. We're done with the show. Uh, Brandon's leaving. I'm wrapping up. Uh, thank you all so much for tuning in here on to the House Wrestling flagship. Uh, been a great episode. I'm gonna be back next week. Uh, I should be joined by Michael Weissman on Tuesday, my old co-host, Michael Weissman. On Thursday, I'm gonna be joined by Isa Ramos, uh, who you may know from the media pit uh, over on WrestleMania weekend, just like me. She's gonna be uh, she was asking questions about backlash in Puerto Rico. She'll be she lives in Puerto Rico, so she's gonna be talking all about backlash with me next week. Uh, if of course uh, you like the show, uh, go over, subscribe to House of Wrestling. The podcast feed is where you can get this. If you miss us live here when we debut on the Premier Streaming Network every Tuesday and Thursday, you can go find the audio over on the House of Wrestling podcast feed. Um, we have videos going up over on the YouTube channel. News is always flowing out on the front page. Again, that Jonathan Gresham interview doing huge business for the site. If you haven't had a chance to pick it up yet and take a read, I highly recommend you doing that. And uh, just so you know, I know I've had the two uh, House of Wrestling logo shirts up on the uh, Pro Wrestling T-Store. A couple of you guys have already bought that. I have three new variants that are being designed right now uh, that I think you guys are going to really, really like a lot. So keep your eyes peeled over at the Pro Wrestling T-Store for more House of Wrestling merchandise. Brandon, anything that you want to 
put over here before we wrap up today? You can find me at WrestleNomics.com. Uh, you can find the Patreon at Patreon.com slash WrestleNomics. Uh, we do a podcast every Sunday, 11 a.m. Eastern, live on YouTube and in your favorite podcast app. Awesome. Uh, and I'm at Nick underscore Houseman over on Twitter, at Wrestling House over on Twitter. Thank you all so much for tuning in to House of Wrestling. I'll talk to you another time. Goodbye.